So I recorded this episode a few months back after not even having an episode for even more months. I don't know the last time I uploaded anything, just been busy, but a quick update. We adopted a little girl, uh, that took a lot of time, but it's just been hard to find time to actually do this. I like doing it. It's just hard, hard to find the time to do it. This particular episode though, not real happy about it. That's why I never posted it. But I'm posting it anyway, simply because I want to get something out there. If I ever reread this book, take better notes, I'll revisit this episode and hopefully get something better, more on this topic. But without further ado, cue the music. Welcome back to the highly unanticipated, very unprofessional, and extremely boring podcast you always knew you didn't need, Learning Lutheran. My past two episodes have been interviews with some friends, one out of Dallas, and then another local friend that I've been friends with since we were kids. Today will be another solo episode. Uh, those last two episodes were fun. I want to do more interviews, more uh, long-form discussion-type episodes with various people. But as of right now, this will be a solo episode and probably some solo episodes going forward in the near future. Um, I don't have any guests lined up right now. Um, but this episode, I want to talk about a book I read. It will probably be a short episode. Uh, last one ran for like two hours. This one will maybe be 20 minutes, if that. But the book I read was called Four Disturbing Questions with One Simple Answer, Breaking the Spell of Christian Belief. So obviously with that title, it's not a Lutheran book. It's not a Christian book at all. The author's name is Tim Sledge, and... He's actually not far from where I live, only about two hours. But I read it just out of curiosity and wondering how an atheist might think. Uh, but this guy was a, a former Baptist pastor and... 
I'm honestly not surprised he came to some of the conclusions he came to because of his Baptist background. And I'm going to walk through the, uh, the four questions he raises in this book. Uh, I'm not going to go super in depth in them because honestly, I didn't think they were that deep of questions. He wrote the book. Well, I mean, I'll give him that, but the questions I don't think are as good as he thought, nor did the book do what I think he was hoping the intentions were it would have on Christians. It honestly pushed me further into orthodoxy and not so much question my faith or my beliefs in Christ. Um, but the, uh, the first question is, why does faith in the resurrected, empowering Jesus generate such inconsistent results? And he doesn't give the, the final, really, verdict until after all four questions are... Are presented. He does kind of answer each one a little bit in the chapter, but not with the his his final answer. Uh, but one thing I noticed is that he clearly either didn't, but definitely now doesn't understand the law gospel distinction. Everything was, was me focused Did I do enough and, and et cetera. Things of that nature is how he was presenting his faith from when he was a Baptist. And he also didn't seem to understand sin and like they're also I wish I would have taken better notes on this but it also came came off as somewhat of a of a Wesleyan influence and perfection that we can achieve it here and now he didn't state that explicitly but it came off that he might have held to that or something close but to tackle the question why does faith in the resurrected empowering Jesus generate such inconsistent results 
I mean, it really boils down to our, our sinful natures. And I do wish I would have taken better notes on this to address more comments he made, but I didn't plan on making a podcast about it. Uh, but he clearly thinks that we are, I can't say clearly, but it comes off that he thinks it's going to be like some sort of state of perfection, this side of glory. And that's not the case. And like one of the reasons why we do have so many denominations is because we'll have a guy who thinks he should start a church for some reason or another. He's dissatisfied with where he's at, at the leadership, at the theology, at something. And he'll think that, oh, yeah, I can... I can do this. I can start my own church. And churches will be started that shouldn't have been started. Just guys with a good charisma and a good personality. And people will flock to that and they recognize that's what will happen. So without an actual call from the church to plant this or they just get the idea and they go plant a church and that's where we get such division and theology and and for the the same reasons we'll see the different results as he's saying it's a result of our sinful nature we're prideful people we don't like admitting when we're wrong we like to have things done our way or it's not going to happen at all and whenever you have these different churches popping up because of that you have all these different varying theologies that have no historical root. It's just, this is how I'm interpreting it. I don't care how the church has interpreted it beforehand. And they start preaching something similar to what I saw he would give examples of what he would tell people in uh in his church. And it was always do this, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. It was all law and no hope, no gospel. And then when people see that they can't live up to that law, no matter how easy we make it, that inconsistency is going to start setting in and people 
will fall away and probably falling away from something they don't actually even know. And I'm just winging this episode. Uh, I should have taken better notes while reading the book. It was it was a good book. Um, I'm pretty much just doing this episode to have something to put out for for next week. But let me find the second question. And question two is: How could a loving God? who created a universe do such a poor job at clearly revealing who he is and what he expects. And in this chapter, my previous statements, I would have to say still stand. He doesn't understand sin. He doesn't understand law gospel and he doesn't understand God at all. And he even seems to hold himself smarter than God. And one example I took for this is, imagine you are an all-powerful, loving God, and you have created humans in your own image. It is your desire that they know who you are, how much you love them, and what you expect of them. You want every individual who will ever live to know and understand these things. How would you make yourself known? Whatever plan for this self-disclosure you might devise, I'm sure it would be a better plan than anything in this world that purports to be a revelation from any God, including the Bible and the events it records, end quote. And he uses uh, the denomination thing in this chapter and I've already addressed that, but he also goes on to say that you're only a Christian because your parents are, and if you were born in China, you would be Buddhist, and that's just a non sequitur. Like, that that doesn't bear any actual proof to the question at hand. It doesn't address it at all. And he also, in this chapter, brought up a lot of contradictions within the Bible, but doesn't give a single example. And with his claims of being a Baptist pastor, I don't doubt that he believed what he believed. But I do doubt what he held to was a biblical Christianity and it was probably just more of a cheap American knockoff. And something else I had wrote was 
that this book is just, it makes me sad for him. And I made a note to myself to, to pray for him because it, it really was those two chapters pretty heartbreaking. I'm not mad at the guy. If I had been fed everything that he might have been, I probably would be in the same spot. Uh, I'm grateful for my upbringing, even though I don't agree fully with it anymore. But we had a, a proper law gospel distinction and I'm very grateful for that. And uh, going on to the third question, it was honestly probably the dumbest question of all of them. I, I, it, it was just honestly a dumb question. I, there's no nice way to say it. He, the question is, why didn't Jesus say anything about germs? And he even goes on to pretty much answer that question for himself in the chapter. And I don't think he even realized it. He says how long it took us to understand anything about germs. And it's a fairly recent thing of our understanding about germs. So had Jesus even said anything about it, it would have went over their head. They would have had no idea what he was talking about. And there probably wouldn't have been a way to actually explain it to him without just giving him a divine revelation, which he definitely could have done. But it's obviously not part of his plan, nor do I see it being an important topic to do that with. But I, I was really that that this chapter was just I hate saying it. It, it was just really dumb. Uh, I didn't even write anything down for this chapter other than just wow. Uh, I'll probably reread the book. It's a fairly short book. I'll probably reread it and come back and do a better analysis of it. But as of right now, I'm just winging it off the top of my head with what little bit I did write down. So don't think of this as a super critical, highly intelligent breakdown of it, of this book, because it's far, far from it. And the final question that was presented is, why would a heavenly father 
span most of his children to eternal torment when he could send them all straight to heaven. And again, this chapter boiled down to he didn't understand God. He only focused on that one attribute, and that's love. And yes, God is love, but he is also holy, and he is righteous. And sin can't be before him. God's judgment to cast people into hell, of which we are all deserving. We have all sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. But his judgment to do that is righteous. We don't deserve the grace that he has bestowed to us. It wouldn't be loving and God wouldn't be just if he let sinners go unpunished. But then how do some sinners get to go to heaven and not hell? And that is the gospel that Jesus Christ came and died, became the propitiation, took the sin on himself. He paid the punishment that we deserve. He bore the entire weight on the cross and gave us his righteousness. His conclusion to all this is Christianity and all other religions are the creation of human minds and there is no all-powerful, all-knowing, personal, loving God. That was his one mind-blowing answer to these four disturbing questions. Honestly, didn't find them to be disturbing. I think what he presented was well written. I just don't think it was well thought out. I don't think it was very intelligent, like an honest look at these questions, the way he presented them. Uh, I'll reread the book and take extensive notes and revisit this episode. I'd even like to invite Tim Sledge on to talk to him. And if Tim, if you happen to hear this, I only live about two hours away from you. I wouldn't mind driving that distance, meeting with you face to face and talking this over. Not that I have the power to convert you or anything, but just to get a better look at where you're coming from. Uh, Because I might not be, as far as this episode here went, It you might not think it was a fair analysis. And 
I'd be willing to have you on and and get your point of view and, and we could have an honest discussion. And uh so if if you'd like that, I'll have my email in the contact list or in the show notes below. And you can feel free to reach out to me. But I am going to reread this book. And he's got another one called Goodbye Jesus, I think is what it's called. It is called, yeah, Goodbye Jesus. I'll give it a read too. Take notes on it. It's a longer book though, so it'll take me a while to to finish both of them. I've got other things on my list. But this has been a pretty boring episode. I I winged the whole thing. Uh, I'm sure it was very obvious, but most of my episodes have been. But I will see you all on the next one. Thanks for checking in again. And the Lord be with you.